Welcome, welcome everyone to Why Now, a Yoga Journal original podcast. I'm Monica Kadena here with my co-host Cameron Allen, and today we're going to talk about healing in the midst of uncertainty. We understand that so much is going on in the world right now, and so many people are wondering how they can be of service, how they can hold space for others, how they can hold space for themselves, and how we can continue to be stewards of change. So we want to offer our insights, our thoughts, our reflections, and also some decompressing practices that you can incorporate into your daily life. Super important to take a moment for pause, stillness, and reflection so we can come from a space of clarity, a space of purpose, and a space of truly being of service to the folks in the ways that we best know how to. We're also going to be talking about a framework of of knowing our roles in, in this, you know, paradigm shift. How do we show up? How can we be allies? How can we support those at the front lines of change? This podcast episode is sponsored by NOW, a family-owned company offering more than 1,400 natural products, including essential oils and supplements. NOW is giving 20% off to our listeners, so head over to nowfoods.com and see their list of herbs, supplements, and essentials that you can add to your own self-care toolkit. Simply add the coupon code YNOW20 to your cart and you can get that 20% off. Cameron, I am so glad to be talking to you today. Uh, You've definitely helped me in my own journey when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling anxious. And in the midst of so much occurring, I know that I am not the only one feeling the way I am. And so I'd really love to open up the space and and chat with you a little bit about how trauma shows up in the body and what are some tools that we can use to self-regulate. Yeah, working with so many people over my lifetime, the first thing I think about when I think about trauma is how the issues are in our tissues. And I, and I say that so many times, and if anybody's heard me talk before, they probably have heard me said it, say it rather, and, and I say it all the time because it's just so important to understand that. Because it connects our body to our emotions, and that's just really important when it comes to trauma. Uh, the first thing that I always think about when it comes to working with moving our trauma in our body is the breath always to begin with. I always start with my breath. And then I also begin to listen to music. Listening to music is really therapeutic. And not only listen to music, but move my body with the music. That's one of my favorite tools of decompressing and removing stagnation within my body. You know, it's just really simple, really practical. Because the thing about it is when we're in trauma responses, a lot of times we're not, you know, necessarily going to be going through complex thoughts. So it's, it's good to keep everything simple when we're working with our trauma. So those are the first two things that I do. And, and I invite people to even just start there and master those things. And then we just move forward from there. I love that. And I also love that you brought the breath back to this. You know, it's so interesting that in this moment, the breath is something that we often don't recognize you know, we go on about our days. Sometimes we hold our breath. 
Sometimes we're not giving ourselves the possibility of the fullest extent of the breath. And we're marching in streets right now. We are taking to different forms of activism because the breath is political. When the breath becomes political, the spiritual is political. And that's something that I invite our listeners to really reflect on. I know in my own experiences, I've met folks who talk about removing um, the political from the spiritual realm. But the fact is, spirituality is very much intrinsically tied to how we show up in moments of times like this. And so, you know, I've really been reflecting on this idea of sacred activism. Uh, It's a transforming force of compassion and action that is born of, of a fusion of deep spiritual knowledge, courage, love, and passion with wise radical action in the world. Now that's a quote from Andrew Harvey. He's done a lot of work on this concept of spiritual activism. And, you know, when we do any type of work, we know, you know, on a spiritual level, doing spiritual work is you you use a lot of energy. And so when we add that to this political element, just think about how much energy we're pouring out in this moment. And it's so necessary. And it's so beautiful that we're collectively coming together to fight for these inhumanities and these injustices. And also coming together and also showing up to the work is giving ourselves a moment of pause, stillness, reflection, a moment to tap and tune in. So Cameron, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the breath with you and what are some ways when people are starting to feel overwhelmed or if we're getting fatigued with everything that's coming out on social media, the news, um, even just still being in social distancing, what would be some tools that you would suggest for folks to access when we're thinking about pranayama and the breath? The first main two practices that I use are alternate nostril breathing. And then also I just, I call it the cooling breath. I just call it the cooling breath. And the cooling breath is simply when you take your thumb and then you pinch your right nostril uh, because the right nostril represents what people would say, like the more active side. And then the left nostril will be the more passive side or calming side. And within your nervous system, that will correspond to the sympathetic nervous system, which would be the right side. And then the parasympathetic nervous system, which would be the left side. So you're essentially shutting down the sympathetic nervous system by pressing your thumb or any finger to your right nostril. And then you're just breathing deeply through the in and out of the left nostril. And I always invite people to imagine a pathway up and down their nervous system while they do it as well. Um, That's not necessarily traditional, but that is the way that I practice that. And I find great results with it. For folks who don't know, I'm a digital strategist. I do a lot of work managing accounts, Yoga Journal being one of them. And when we go into times of crisis, And when we want to share and when we want to amplify messages in the midst of all of that, you know, sometimes unintentionally we can be perpetuating harm and trauma onto others in terms of the content that we're sharing, um, in terms of, you know, spiritual bypassing or invalidating people's feelings that they shouldn't be feeling this way. This, this isn't a big deal. Um, and 
I really want to share some tips that I've used for myself when it comes to, you know, just having fatigue specifically on social media and, you know, in general. Something that I have been utilizing since the beginning of this year is focusing on incorporating this idea and this concept of digital minimalism into my life. So at the beginning of the year, I read this book by Cal Newport, and he talks about digital minimalism and how this overconsumption of technology could be really draining on our bodies. And, you know, I've been thinking about how are ways that I can continue to show up on social, but also continue to maintain my own well-being. So for me, that looks like I am a graphic designer. I make a lot of graphics. And so I'll, I can do all of that without going onto social media. I can upload using different social platforms like a later account. Um, it can pre-schedule content for me. I can mute or simply block people who are not serving me that I just need to let go of because it's not making me feel good when I'm seeing what they're posting. And that's okay. Even if you know the person in real life, boundaries are a thing. And with boundaries being said, I really want to pass it over to you, Cameron, because you talk a lot about having boundaries and honoring your personal space. Yeah, most definitely. And when it comes to boundaries, always thinking about uh, defining reality, like how is our reality being defined? Because yeah, boundaries are things that are definite, right? Um, not to say that they're rigid, but they have like some sense of solidness to them. Uh, so the way that I, I tend to work with boundaries when it comes to online presence and like using uh, the internet and social media, the first thing I do with everything essentially for myself is find some information on it or like think about it, reflect on it. And the first time I actually sat down and reflected on social media and like did a little bit of research on it, which I was on the internet when I did it. So that's even, it's like sometimes you just have to deal with it on some level. But the first thing I did was research about what is social media, right? Because a lot of people, we know that like some people are like, oh, I'm addicted to Facebook, haha. And they just say it like that. But it's actually like social media is literally made to be addictive or like a stimulus, right? It's like every time you get a like, every time you see a post, every time, you know, you just, you're like, ooh, there it is. Ooh, there it is. So you're li we're literally getting like sugar hits off of this thing. So like if we're going to create boundaries around it, we have to understand things like that. So that's the one of the biggest things that I, I talk to people about, I'm like, Hey, like, yeah, you know, like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I want to get on, on Facebook as soon as I wake up in the morning. I'm like, Hey, yeah, cool. That's totally fine. You know that you want to get on it, but you also know every time you get on it and you look at those likes and you, and you're like looking at these posts that you're getting a hit off of it and you're just feeding it every single time that you get on. So that understanding is a one. Another thing to think about is technology is electronic, right? And our nervous systems, they're electrical. So the interaction between those two things, just being overstimulated, I feel like people can understand and experience the fact that it's just, it's just amping us up. It's, it's too much sometimes, especially in a, in a culture where we tend to be thought process, like thought oriented. So if we're like thinking a lot, 
That means we're using our nervous system a lot. And then now you have this device that's giving you even more information to sort through. And, and, and once we start even looking at it from just that lens, I'm like, the boundaries will begin to be created just through that understanding. What about you? So as a space holder, I have a tendency to hold a lot of space. This is one of the ways that I show up and be of service to the collective. And I'm also realizing that even space holders, we need our own moments of pause and stillness. And I talk about that so often from like a broader lens and I rarely apply it to myself. Go figure. And so lately I've just been really unapologetic with where I'm at and, you know, taking more time to sleep taking more time to rest, you know, allowing myself not to be such in a frenzy of doing, 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 um, going, 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 and, and knowing how I can truly be of service to the collective is by showing up my best and full self. And yes, you know, I am outraged and yes, I am upset, you know, especially when I'm seeing every single day folks who look like me, um, folks who are my family, Folks who are my friends, my cousins, my so many people, we can go on. And I see myself in the reflection of so much hurt and so much oppression. And I know for me to be of service, I have to sit with those feelings. I have to allow myself to feel those emotions and see how I can channel, channel that so I can be of service in the way that I know that I can. I've been doing a lot of rest and, you know, the Nat Ministry, they talk about rest as resistance. You know, this is part of the movement work, you know, especially for so many of us at the front lines of social change. It's our time to rest. It's our time to find the restorative tools that we need so we can continue to self-regulate and be of service. Yeah, I love that. And I love rest as resistance. That's just beautiful to me. Um, resistance, and then I even go with like a lot of rewords. Um, resistance, reflect, relax, right? Even sometimes reason. And I don't mean reason as in like, there's a reason this is happening because it's spiritual. Like, no, like reasoning with ourselves deeply, right? And, and that has something to do with boundaries as well. Because when we reason with ourselves, we essentially give ourselves reasons or give us ourselves the reason why we do certain things or why we feel certain types of ways, right? So that can be a way to decompress. Because when I give myself a reason why I feel a certain type of way, especially if I keep coming face to face with it on social media, then that in and of itself tampers my sense of uh, nervous system activation when I'm online, right? Like, if somebody is saying, oh, all lives matter, right? That used to really upset me. But I gave myself reflection and a reason why that, not that it shouldn't affect me, why I'm going to keep myself regulated. Because a lot of times I see people also saying like, you're not mad, you should be angry. And I'm like, I was angry. And I also realized what anger does to my liver and my, and my nervous system. And I don't think that's the best route for us. And not only that is not the best route for us, I think we should just really just be mindful of that. So it's like, what is the reason that people saying 
that certain thing, you know, triggers me. It doesn't have to be all lives matter. It could be whatever it is for you. This is just an open invitation for you to reflect, for you to give yourself reasons. And the main reasons to attune to are the things that you continuously go online and see that are activating you, that are triggering you, that are making you feel restless because the rest, if the rest is resistance to allow ourselves to continuously become restless and engage in things like that, that is directly affecting how we are or aren't playing our part in the social change that we're trying to see in the world. I totally hear you and I agree 100% that anger um, is not healthy for us. It's not nourishing for us. It definitely does not serve us. It, you know, scientifically has shown that it actually, you know, reduces our lifespan. And also our rage and our anger is valid. And, you know, what we need to really be focusing on dismantling are the systems that cause that anger, that rage, and that pain, you know. And yes, definitely, of course, having these tools that we need to have on access with us because we know we live in the system that continues to marginalize and oppress folks. So what, we, what can we do to self-regulate? Because the reality is this is a constant state that we're in in this moment. So how can we find these tools? And I just want to um, add a little addition to that is like, yes, and also. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that reflection. Anger is an emotion, right? So we, we have to always be mindful of that. All emotions are welcome in my reality, at least. And because we have to feel, we have to feel to heal is uh, my belief. So I appreciate that reflection. And even when I want to, that brings up something else for me, like our part in the whole in the whole social change and like what we're doing moving forward so just a little context even from me saying that statement i'm an herbalist right so being an herbalist what do you focus on the human anatomy and when i'm looking at what is my role in the in the grand scheme of black people liberating themselves and black people feeling more empowered i'm looking directly at all the people that I know in my community, in my environment, and I'm seeing nervous system dysregulation. So since I see that, my part is to attune people to that idea. And I always, always, always invite people to, you know, I personally don't even care what we call it, right? Call me out, call me in, check me, put me in my place. All those things, I welcome them. Why do I welcome them? Because inside of myself deeply, I know that I'm working towards the same cause that all these other people are working towards. So no matter how someone is coming at me or talking to me, that's my orientation. They were working towards a similar goal. So I have to remove, you know, what people, I mean, I'm just going to use the word ego. I have to remove my ego and allow myself to be checked or be talked to or be invited in to see another perspective. Even if I know that perspective, it's always good to hear that. So yeah, I really appreciate that, Monica. So another thing for decompression that I found really helpful is just meditation, right? And it could be a simple meditation. It could be a movement meditation. And one thing that I will say is the meditation that helped me the most in my life, I can really say, or was like the most practical, I would say, was when I, when I used to drive, I used to always get a stimulus response from just seeing police cop car or like cop cars, right? 
So whenever I would see cop cars, I started shifting my awareness around it or like how I was orientating, orientating myself to it. So literally throughout the day or when I was driving and I would see a cop car from that moment until I got out of the car, I would literally feel into my body and just say, everything is fine and I am safe. Everything is fine and I am safe. Everything is fine and I am safe. Wow. It just kind of makes me a little emotional to hear that you used to be fearful of your life just driving. Like it really affects it. It really hits home. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, just the little things like seeing a cop and being stimulated and having to do a meditation to ground and tell myself that everything is fine and I am safe. Just, you know, it it makes it so apparent how lopsided things are in this reality and where we're at, you know, because for me that became so normal that now when I talk about it, I'm like, Oh yeah, of course. Ha ha. Everything's fine. I'm safe. Like we can do this. Right. And I don't even ever say we can do this from the orientation of we're not doing enough, but from the orientation that I'm focused on me and I'm focused on we, what can we do? Right. I, after a while, I stop looking for, you know, necessarily outside help, or I'm just gonna say like white help. And I'm not saying that I don't hang out with white people or don't talk to white people. Or I feel a certain type of way about it. No, that's not it at all. It's just that we have to focus on building what we have, our resources, because if our orientation is somewhere else, it just doesn't seem like it's been helpful. I would like to talk about libations. I recently did a video um, called 846, a meditative libation honoring the ancestors. Head over to yogajournal.com or Yoga Journal's Instagram or Libby Yoga's Instagram if you want to see that video. I encourage you all to tap and tune in for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Eight minutes and 46 seconds is symbolic it represents the amount of time that George Floyd was restrained by the Minnesota police before he died. And libations for folks of the African diaspora, it's a way of honoring the ancestors, honoring the folks who are no longer here with us, saying their name, honoring the remembrance, so we can continue to pass down their legacy and know that they are not in vain, their loss is not in vain. And we would continue to say their names and, you know, I really invite anybody, um, particularly folks of the diaspora, Black folks, to take a moment to create a sacred altar, honoring your ancestors, to pour some libations in the form of water or the liquid of your choice. And when you're honoring your ancestors, how we do libations is we pour the water and we say ashe. Ashe comes from West African Yoruba tradition. It's a way of giving gratitude. It's a way of giving thanks. And so we say ashe to honor the life spirit that continues to live on. And so that's a meditative practice I would like you all to tap into on your own time. And I would love for you, Cameron, to close us out in a brief meditation for self-regulation. To begin with, 
just an open invitation. If you're sitting in a chair, if you're sitting on the ground, just maybe begin to rub your fingertips together. See how it feels. Begin to wiggle your toes. See how that feels. And throughout this meditation, just continue to tap in and see how it feels and notice where we feel regulated and where we feel dysregulated. It's so important when we're doing meditations to stay attuned to these things that are continual pathways in our bodies. Because the more that we attune and make those pathways more coherent, the more regulated we become and the more regulated we stay. So let's all begin by taking a deep breath, inhale, exhale, two more, inhale, exhale, one more, inhale, exhale. Now, while you continue to breathe at whatever pace, whatever depth, whatever width you're at, we're gonna, in our mind's eye, imagine, imagine roots coming out of our feet into the ground. And I always begin my meditations in this way, in remembrance remembrance that I belong, remembrance that I'm rooted here, here on planet Earth, and remembrance to what's deep within. Taking deep breaths. Also, many times when I'm meditating, I imagine where I come from where my roots are and knowing the power in that, feeling grounded in that. And as we continue to breathe, begin to take the energy from the connection, from the feet to the earth, up into the calves, being sure that the energy is in the shins as well. Taking another deep breath, bringing the energy from the shins and the calves up to the knees. Taking a breath there, maybe even making circles around our knees to bring some warmth around the joints. Taking a deep breath there, allowing the energy to move upward from the knees, to the front of the thighs, to the back of the legs, the hamstrings. Taking a breath there. Bringing the energy up from the leg area up to the hips, making sure that the energy is in the hips and also allowing it to penetrate into the pelvic region 
taking a breath there. And on the next breath, we're gonna take the energy and place it directly within our root chakra or in the area of the pelvis at the base of the spine. Taking a breath there. From there, we allow the energy to rise up, to swirl around the pelvis, moving it up into the sacral area. Taking a breath there. And another breath there. From the sacral chakra, we will also take a breath, a deep breath into the kidneys and the adrenals. Maybe even just taking our hands and placing them at the kidney region, at the adrenal region. And just giving them some love. From there, we move into the third chakra, the solar plexus, taking a breath there. Being mindful that our chakras are not simply coming out of the front, but they're coming out of the back and radiating, vibrating from every single angle, allowing ourselves to expand in that way, bringing the energy up to the heart, Staying in the heart. Maybe placing a hand on the heart. Maybe opening up the shoulders like you're about to give someone a great big hug to keep the heart open. Now taking the energy from the heart Moving it up to the throat. Allowing the energy from the throat to expand out into the shoulders. Maybe doing a few neck rolls. Just allowing yourself as much spaciousness and freedom as you need, as you want, as you desire. On the next breath, we bring it up to the Ajna Chakra, the third eye, the brow point, taking a breath there. And take a deep breath. And exhale, exhale, exhale. For the next three breaths, an open invitation to allow the energy to free flow down, 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 to be integrated back through every single channel that we just ascended from, down, down, down back to our core, back to our center, back to the earth, 
and knowing that we do have the capacity and ability to tap into this at any point in time. And by cultivating practices like this, we can cultivate regulation. So even in times of uncertainty and crisis, we can stay in a centered place, knowing our connection to the earth, knowing that we belong, that we are nature, and that we are loved. We want to take the last three breaths together. Deep inhale. Exhale, exhale, exhale. Another inhale. Exhale, exhale, exhale. Last inhale, breathe in. Exhale, exhale, exhale. And allow yourself to come back to the room, to come back to the present moment, to come back to your center, to your essence. And thank you so much for sharing this space and sharing your energy and time with us today. Stay beautiful and stay blessed. Peace. Thank you. Thank you again, everyone, for tapping and tuning in to this chat and this discussion on ways to decompress in the midst of so much uncertainty. Special thank you again to our sponsor now for bringing this to your listening ears. And until next time, stay safe and stay blessed, y'all. Peace. Peace.